All right, now this is going to be a different kind of service, different type of service. So we're going to be getting you up and down a little bit this, this service because this is a celebration. This service is a celebration, a time, an opportunity to just praise God. There'll be a lot to praise God about throughout the service. It's going to be a little longer than a normal service. So if you have to go, you probably you can't because once I start laying this stuff out, you'd be like, I can't leave. So if it goes a little long, you know what? We're here to praise God. We can give him an extra 20 minutes or 10, 10 minutes or whatever it takes um, to impact uh, um, just impact our lives and to glorify our God. We are going into a new series called Forgotten Virtues, and it's going to be a study through Psalms and Proverbs. And this is pretty much a kind of an intro to um, that series. Next week, we'll, we'll dive right into it. This morning, I have a couple of verses of scripture I'd like you to look at. Number one is Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. It tells us, where there is no vision, the people perish. And then in, and in Psalm one nineteen eighteen, it says this, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. In John chapter 3 and verse 3, it tells us, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John tells us, if we want to have spiritual understanding, then we need regeneration, which is salvation, and illumination, which is vision. We need regeneration, salvation, and we need illumination, which is vision. A church having vision is so important to God. It is so important to God. You know, I said this a few months ago, but we need to come to church anticipating that something miraculous is going to happen, that God is working in miraculous ways. And when you come in here, God's going to do something in your life or in someone else's life that's going to change the world as they know it. Promise 8 again, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That verse is universal and absolute. It's not a generality. Universal and absolute. We need to have vision. We need to believe that God is going to do miraculous things through us. We lose our children sometimes in the church because they see mediocrity. They see people who are not fired up about their faith, who are not ready to, to walk into the fire, if you will. And we need to be a generation, the older generation. We need to be a generation of people who inspire the next generation to believe that they can do things that are miraculous, that are impossible. So what kind of, what kind of, of vision are we talking about here? We're talking about spiritual vision. Everything starts with vision. Everything, everything starts with a vision. You can achieve what you can see, but if you can't see it, it will never become a reality. We need to be able to see through God's lenses, through God's perspective, to believe with that kind of heart and that kind of attitude. And when the body of Christ comes together, when one person has a vision, eh, no big deal. When the body of Christ comes together around a specific vision or visions that God has given them, the impossible can take place. Truly miraculous things can happen. What I found on my Christian walk, though, is sometimes people are fearful 
And so they don't open up their eyes. They don't open up to see the possibilities. Like the psalmist said, we have to, we have to, we have to think as the psalmist thought and believe as he did and pray as he did. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things. Isn't that the way you want to live your Christian life? That you want to dream? That you want to have vision? That you want to open up your eyes and say, God, show me, show me wondrous things. But we don't do that sometimes. We kind of live in our mediocrity. We kind of shut things off. Maybe we are a little older and things didn't pan out the way we wanted to in some circumstances. So we just kind of, we just kind of float along in our Christian walk. We're not really communing with God on that kind of level. level. Oswald Chambers wrote this. It is easier to serve God without a vision. Easy to work for God without a call. Because then you are not bothered by what God requires. Common sense is your guide. Veneered over with Christian sentiment. But if, one, but, if, but if once you truly hear the full commission of Jesus Christ, the awareness of what God wants will be your goal from that point on. And you will no longer be able to work for him on the basis of common sense. In other words, he wants your hearts opened up. He wants your minds opened up. He wants you to see visions. He wants you to dream dreams. He wants you to believe. You see, here's the thing about God. He believes in us more than we believe in him. He believes in this body of Christ right here and what we're capable of doing. And see, the problem is that today, not in just Grace Chapel, in church in general, the church is not producing the kind of Christian that really helped build the foundation for our faith. Those people who went to the synagogue or went to church every day expecting that God was going to do something miraculous, that God was going to do something amazing. So if we're not producing that type of individual, if, we're, if, if what we're producing is deficient, then honestly, what we're, the visions that we're going to have are going to be deficient. The, 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 the perspective that we're going to have, the insight that we're going to have is going to be deficient as well. You see, my friends, what we need to do is we need to start living out our birthright. You are a joint heir of Jesus Christ. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to start being a people of vision. Not just, I'm not talking, you say, well, I'm not a visionary. That's not, that, 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 wipe that out of your mind. We are visionaries together. We together get a vision from God. And then we bring our, our gifts to the table to make sure that vision comes to fruition. So what is spiritual vision? In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We constantly ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. That means we need to see things the way God sees them. We need to see things from God's perspective. Spiritual vision is getting on your heart what God has on his heart. It's getting on my heart what God has on his heart, which is impacting the world. God wants to impact this world. God wants to influence culture. God wants us to reach out and evangelize. He wants us to impact people's lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the goal that God has for each one of us. We need to have that goal in our hearts. So why is spiritual vision so important? I want you to think about this for a second. Because spiritual vision drives spiritual strategy. 
Spiritual vision begins to drive spiritual strategy. If you have vision and you bring strategy around that vision and then you act upon that vision and act upon that strategy, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. And that's what I want you thinking this morning, that nothing is impossible for God and he wants to use us. The first century church had a vision for the world. And they changed it completely. That group of people changed the entire world. They changed the world. They had a strategy for the world. So therefore, their strategy for the world, their strategy for the world was focused on individuals, not on institutions. Their strategy for the world, they realized what God had wanted them to do, how he wants them to reach out with the gospel. And so their strategy was focused on individuals, not institutions. They weren't here to build their own kingdom. They were here to build God's kingdom. And instead of thinking about how they can build things bigger and more more elaborate and all these kinds of things, they focused on the people. They focused on individuals. They focused on their gifts because they know that the bricks and mortar of this building have no power, but the people in the building, they have power. They're the ones who are saved. They're the ones who are illuminated. And if they can bring that out, if they can draw that out, if they can help them understand that, those people can then impact their world. They changed the world. They changed their world. And you know what? Changing the world sometimes is not about just you know doing something so incredible that it's on Fox News. It's about changing the life of the person closest to you. It's about changing the life of one child. And my friends, we have no shortage of vision here at Grace Chapel. We have no shortage of vision. And one of the reasons we have no shortage of vision is because we, we have come together as the body of Christ in our life groups. We've come together in our life groups to, 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 to spur one another on. Iron sharpens iron. To talk about the, some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning in smaller groups and have people say, well, you can help in this way. Maybe you can help in that way. And, and so our life groups have spurred on. They've, they've, they've allowed to drive, they've allowed us to drive these visions that we have forward that we're going to share this morning. And I asked Andy if he would come up this morning and just share very just you know for a couple of minutes about how impact of how life groups have impacted his life thank you uh my name's andy keimer uh, my wife and i have had the privilege of going here for eight years we've had both of our children dedicated here and jeff asked if i would share how impactful or you know what impact a life group has had on me and honestly if he would ask this question Three months ago, I wouldn't have had an answer because I kind of had the attitude through my journey, um, through my faith, that either I didn't prioritize life group as being something that needed to be in my life, um, or I rationalized that, you know, I am seeking God, I am growing, I am doing it through the way I want to do it. And I had really been praying for God to come to me. As I would share with my wife, I felt like, you know, I was 98% into my faith, and that 2% whether it scared me, whether I didn't know how to take that extra step. Um, I was limiting myself, and I wasn't all in. I wasn't 100% all in. I really prayed, and I felt like God really answered my prayer. And um, through a lot of tough things, um, I've grown. And part of that prayer being answered was attending a life group. And we're very fortunate, my wife and I, to be in a group that we love, and it is something that has impacted me to a point where I will say it has changed my life. We've only met four times, but I 
am so eager to talk with my wife about what we talked about or talk in the group or just listen in the group. And it's just an opportunity to grow and share your faith. It's just also an opportunity to just hang out, to be social. Uh, I was joking the first service that the last time we met as a small group that the ladies were in the kitchen and they were having this incredibly deep conversation with feeling. And then if you walked into where the gentlemen were, we were talking about which mustard is best suited to go on a bratwurst, um, which is very important. And I think we will do a case study as we go forward and try all the different types of mustard. But it, it just through that conversation, which is pointless, it's so empowering and it gives me strength to know that as I go forward in my, my faith and as I grow, I'm going to be a much better husband. I'm going to be a much better father. I'm going to be a much better teacher. I'm going to be a much better coach that I am surrounded with people in this church and in this small group that um, just empower me and give me confidence and make me want to share um, what I'm learning and want to share what's going on in my life. So um, I would encourage anyone at any point in their life, like myself, I've uh, been a part of this church for eight years and the first small group we attended was about a month ago, um, or people that have always attended small groups to get more involved or attend another small group or to seek people out to join their group, that it has... Um, left such a mark on my heart that I am so eager to promote it and get other people involved. And I just am so thankful for the opportunity I have to be part of the small group and share to this church and for Jeff. And uh, I'm so excited going forward. So thank you. Amen. And let me, let me just, let me just encourage you one more time here that um, the reason I wanted Andy to come up is because as we draw closer together, as we become closer in our relationship with each other, we become closer in our relationship with Christ, the things that we're going to talk about this morning can be, can be pushed even, even further. We, we need the whole body to come together to accomplish what God is calling us to accomplish. We need everyone together in order to pull this off. And so I want to encourage you, like Annie did, to be involved, be involved in men's Bible study or women's Bible study or a life group or you know, youth ministry, something. Get engaged, get connected. So I want, to, I want to just continue. Let's stand together. We're going to continue in our time of worship because this service is all about worshiping God and giving Him our thanks. Okay, so talking about vision and all that God is doing in our church. And I just want to take some time to kind of give you an update. Um, we've never really taken a service to do this. And I just want to take some time to update all of you, the whole body, on what we're doing and how God is impacting the lives of people around the world in our own community, in our own church, um, just through, the, through the, the vision that God has given to us. Now, I want to preface this by saying for, to some of you, I don't want you getting caught up in all the details and ruining your time, okay? What will happen with some of you, you care so much that you'll say, are they thinking about this? Are they thinking about this? I'm sure they th I thought about that. Are they making sure they're doing this? Don't worry about all those things. We, we, if we don't have them under control right now, we have people in place right now who are making sure they will be under control, all right? And you can help with that. You can help with that. Uh, August the four, uh, the four weeks in August, four Sundays in August, we're going to do a class. And if you'd like to be a part of what we're talking about today, then just email me and I'll make sure I put your name on the list and you can be part of a class. We would like, the reason we're bringing this up is we want people engaged with different gifts and talents and abilities. 
But I want you to worship God this morning. I want you to celebrate God. I want you to praise God and not let your mind get so caught up in all the details of what's going on because there's a lot of details to the things that we're talking about. But God is in the details and he's working hard through us to put it all together. So just enjoy yourself. I'm going to start with the African village. We've talked about that a little bit in service already. The African village is really starting to come together. God is really moving in a powerful way. But here's what I want to share with you this morning, just a little more detail. The goal of what we're trying to accomplish for the African village is to inspire people who go there, to inspire them to try to live their lives or, or, or in such a way that they want to end up defending those who are in need. So it's not just an opportunity to send people out there. Wasn't that great? I slept on the ground. I got bit by a few mosquitoes. And that's my African experience. No, it's to challenge people and inspire people to go into their own hearts and realize I can make a difference in the life of someone else. We're looking for people who will become champions of the, of the people that we'll be talking about when we bring them together in that African village. And we broke in the African village, really, it, we're going to break it down into different tiers. You've got tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is going to be physically challenging and, and maybe, uh, maybe thought-provoking. So you go there with your family, even with your younger kids, and we'll give you opportunities to, to feel like what it's, to be like what it's like to be in an African village. And, and so we'll be eating African food and we'll be hearing from people who live in different parts of Africa, telling stories, and it'll be a great adventure for your family. And then you'll talk about what was it like to have to go fetch the water? What was it like to have to do this? Or maybe to go a little bit hungry instead, like we just don't have snacks like we usually do. It'll be a great time to build those relationships with your family and begin that inspiration for our children. Tier two will get a little more intense. We'll have people walk long distances for water, have to go and take those buckets and walk those long distances. We're going to build a small farm out there so people will have to walk their goats maybe a mile to get to, to get to water, to water their goats and water their donkey. We'll have chickens. They'll be taking care of the chickens and doing things like that. And so we'll create an experience that's a, maybe a little more intense, a little more intense for people, um, giving people a fishing pole and saying, hey, go catch your own meal. They'll have to go out to the pond, you know, go fishing. If they don't catch a fish, all they get is rice. So they're hungry. You know what I mean? And so you fast a little bit on your experience there. So it'll get a little deeper. Phase three, though, is going to be uh, a pretty challenging. We'll have people come out there, maybe college students and above or high school students, but their parents will have to agree to it. Um, but what we want to do is really challenge them. For example, we're going to give a bucket, for example, to, um, just to maybe a couple of the girls, and they'll have to go uh, a long distance to fetch water. The only difference is we're going to add to it a little stress to that environment. We'll have a couple of people maybe 30 yards away kind of mirroring, mirroring them um, as, they, as they walk through the, the woods to get their water and, and make it uncomfortable. Who are those people? Why are, they kind of, why are they over there? Why do they keep following us? Maybe they won't make it to the watering hole because they'll come back and say, hey, I don't know who these people were. And so, but what we want to do is have them experience what it must be like for a young woman in Africa to go have to fetch water and run a gauntlet of men who are waiting for her along the way. Waiting for her because they know her route now. And what the experiences that young women have to go through just to get water for their family so they can survive. What must that be like? Have that discussion. When they want to eat, there's a chicken. Figure it out. Figure it out. 
We'll create environments, we'll create avenues, we'll create opportunities for them to, 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 to walk a, a difficult path, a different path. For example, one of the things we'd like to do is get some people who are into, into drama. And we have Heart of the Outdoors as a, as a partner in our, in our church. And we'll have people not shooting real, off real rounds, but maybe you're sleeping at 2 or 3 in the morning and all of a sudden you hear gunfire about 100 yards away or 50 yards away. And, and the, the group leaders get everyone up and they have to leave the village. And they have to go through the woods for maybe an hour, an hour and a half, just walking in the darkness. When they come back, maybe two people in their group who we have set up there are now gone. And they're saying, well, where, where are so-and-so and so-and-so? And the reason we're going to do that is because in different countries, you have warlords who will come along and they'll come at night and they'll raid that camp and they'll take, they'll take people out of their villages and they'll kidnap them to become child soldiers. So we have two people maybe gone and people, the students will be asking, where are my friends we met for the last couple of days? Well, now they're gone. When are we going to see them again? You're not going to see them again. What's their address? We're not giving you their address. We're not giving you their phone number. You're never going to see these people again. That will upset them because they built a relationship for three days. And we're going to say, how must it feel for a, a young lady at 10 years old to lose her eight-year-old brother and never see him again? He's been taken. He's now a child soldier and she may never see him again. Most likely we'll never see him again. What must that feel like? And the goal here, my friends, is to inspire people to become champions for those kinds of things that go on all over the world. The simple thing we can do is Skype from here to Africa and build relationships with some of the students there. And then each group can sponsor a child. Maybe if you're, if you're one of those girls walking and you feel so uncomfortable, you don't want to go get the water and you hear about what really goes on in the world, maybe you're going to raise money to drill a borehole so the girls don't have to walk miles to get water in the dry season. They can go right out and pump it outside their front door. Those are the kinds of things we want to inspire through the African village. That's our goal. That's our goal. What we'd like to do long term is the African village is our first is the first one. And then we want to wherever back to back is around the world. We would like to build a town or a village that mimics where people can go. And so people can experience like reverse Epcot. You know what I mean? You go through Epcot. It's really great. You get the best food. It's like the best of that country. We're going to reverse Epcot. It's like the, you know, the, the worst of the country, if you will. All right. The more difficult sections of that country. And how we can impact the lives of people in those places. So that's the African village. And if you'd like to be a part of that, you can email me. We'll get you involved. Now, I need you to put your, your, your vision cap on. I need you to really um, think outside the lines, if you will, with me for a couple of minutes. Um, in 2002, Grace Chapel birthed self-sustaining enterprises. Self-sustaining enterprises basically uh, is a company where our goal is to is to make money that we can use to invest in the lives of people around the world. Like, for example, in education, healthcare. our goal is to make money here, invest that money in developing countries where we can build business trees there that will fund initiatives that can't fund themselves. Like I said, education and healthcare. And God has been truly faithful to us. God has been doing miraculous things. I mean, before I move on, I want to share a couple of stories with you because some of you will be wondering, what the heck are we talking about? Why are we talking about this in church? Let me explain why we're talking about this in church. First, let me say this. If it's not sinful, it's what? Right. If it's not sinful... Right. If it's not sinful, it's sacred. That's number one. God created everything. Business is sacred. 
Okay, if you choose to do something wrong in business, you are being sinful. Business itself is sacred. Work is worship. Okay, that's why we will. When you say, why would a church do this? Why would a church not do this? It belongs to God. It is sacred. And we can use what belongs to God to impact the lives of other people. And let me give you an example. I would like you to close your eyes. All right. I would like you to think of maybe if you have a child, maybe when your child was six, seven years old. Now, I'd like you to move your mind to another country, into a hut or some kind of hovel, and there's a little seven-year-old girl there. And her father passed away two years ago of AIDS. And at this moment, she's holding her mother's hand, and her mother takes her last breath. Now this seven-year-old girl, for the first time in her life, is all alone. No family to take care of her. No friends are going to take her in. There's too many orphans running around as it is. We don't have enough, enough food to feed another mouth. So that little girl, seven years old, in a city or someplace, is on her own. And it's getting dark. And she has no idea what she's going to do, how she's going to survive, who's going to feed her, who's going to protect her, Who's going to take care of her? She goes outside. She finds a little a box to hide in or some little hovel in a corner. And she kneels or crouches down in there. And is very, she, may, she may be crying, but she cries very silently because she doesn't want anybody to find her because she knows what happens if someone finds her. Now, I want you to think about that and I want you to open your eyes. And I'm going to tell you another story I've told you before. It's good. This is a good story. This is, this is a kind of an update, too. There's a, a young man named Barnabas. Barnabas grew up in Nigeria, is growing up in Nigeria, and Barnabas, um, is, his family decides, his father and his stepmother decide, he's the cause of all the problems. He's a warlock or a witch. Maybe some chickens died. We have no idea why they decided he was the cause of all the problems. So what they do is they lead him out. They led him out of the village, the two of them, they got far enough away, they held him down. They took a, a hammer and six or eight-inch spikes and drove those spikes into his ears. The pain was so severe that Barnabas just passed out. They thought they had killed him. They threw his body in a shallow grave, turned him over and, and left. The only thing is, Barnabas didn't die. And Barnabas dug himself out of that hole Barnabas got up and people from the road saw him. They grabbed him. They took him to the hospital. He was in the hospital for three or four months. The nails had missed his eardrums and his spinal cord. They went crisscross in the, in the, in the picture. They went crisscross and they missed his spinal cord. And show the picture of Barnabas. Barnabas is alive and well because they found him. They took him to the hospital. Barnabas was able to get out of the hospital. He's now in one of the children's homes in Nigeria. Our church sponsors Barnabas to make sure he has the right education, and that Barnabas gets to live a fulfilling life, free, fulfilling life, to, 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 to dream of a limitless future. My friends, this is why we do what we do. We don't start businesses we have nothing better to do as a church. We do this because of the lives of the children that you want to help. And because God has given us a vision beyond just maybe our tithe. But using the gifts and talents and abilities of this church to build a company that can make millions and millions of dollars to invest in the lives of these children who are at risk. To fight the battle. You know what? Here's the deal. 
The enemy doesn't go to sleep, okay? Evil doesn't take a break. It's, they're relentless. We need to be relentless and aggressive and passionate about defending them. So what I'm going to share with you is all built around that. Self-sustaining enterprises is built on James 1, 20, 27, to look after orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows and their distress. That's why we do what we do. One of the things we're doing is we're building a rabbit co-op in Kenya. And we're going to build a, um, a house. Uh, if you're little, close your ears for a second. Go, la, 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 la. We're going to build a place for the rabbits to get to go. And rabbits check in, but they don't check out. Um, and uh, and we're, going, we're building a large one of these places. And uh, the rabbits will check in. And, uh, and we're going to have rabbit co-ops. So the different people around the village around there will, will be raising rabbits. And they can raise as many rabbits as they can. And then we will go around and collect those rabbits. We'll bring them to this place, this happy place. And, uh, and there will be a vet there and there will be um, an inspector there. We have lined up a, vet, a veterinarian and an inspector. And they'll go through that process and we'll be able to use every part of the rabbit. You can use almost every part of a rabbit. It's incredible. If this works, if this model works, we'll be able to, we'll be able to take this model and bring it around the world in different places that we, that we serve. That's one of the things that God is doing. This will be incredible how God can use this. This will be absolutely miraculous if we're able to pull this off. Because here's the thing. It is the Kenyans who are doing most of the work. We're helping. We're supporting. We're going there. We're giving them all that we can. But they're doing most of the work because we want to have them pull it off. And if they can pull it off, we can use this all around the world. God can do miraculous things. Think how many children won't go hungry. Think how many lives will be saved because parents will have a job and they won't have to sell their kids, if you will. That's what happens all the time. But they'll have the resources they need to have their children educated and have a decent life. That's the first. Second, we're gonna, we've talked about the accelerators that we have, the business accelerator. And we have three businesses that are doing extremely well. We have the Trinity Salon that basically raised $1,000 above and beyond their, their, their normal business. They raised $1,000 just for the kids to go to Mexico. They're profitable. They're doing well. CrossFit is in our facility. We've accelerated that business. That's doing well. That's doing very well. It's profitable. And we also have uh, Elements Pro. Elements Pro started out, this story, we talked about this story before, but just the way that God moved in the lives of people within this church to offer up part of their business, Brian Pierce, to offer up part of his business to self-sustaining enterprises and said, hey, my business is growing over here. I'd like to give this to SSE. Can we do that? I said, yes, if we can find someone to do it. We found a family who's willing to do that. Adam Wyman, Adam and Rachel Wyman were able to do that. Now they've built another business, and that business is like a, it's a business tree, and that business tree will be helping fund self-sustaining enterprises so we can do these things. That's going very, very well. Very well. We should be encouraged. I want to stop and praise God for the people who have a heart to impact the lives of others and who are willing to step out in faith and do what these two families did. I think we should praise God for that. Next thing I want to share with you is um, what we're calling it's emergency online. Aaron Pittman is the entrepreneur in residence for self-sustaining enterprises. Aaron and Rachel Pittman had an idea of this emergency online. So they're going to build this business 
as part of, of part of their business, they were going to build this emergency online. Emergency online is AED, AED training, uh, CPR training, baby CPR training, and first aid training all online. So you don't have to go and you know stay there for eight hours and go through this whole. You can do everything online. It can all be done online. You can you can take you can watch the the the, the video online. You can uh, take your test online. You can get your certification online. And they gave us this platform and said, here, Selfless Enterprises, you can use this as well. But we want you to go out. We want you to impact the lives of churches and businesses. So we as SSC are going to go out and we're going to we're going to be ministering mostly involved and get involved in churches. And we're going to have this this website and we're going to build it into the church's website. So if you are if you are going for your CPR training for any reason, you are a babysitter, all your all your Sunday school teachers can all be CPR trained and churches can use this. The positive thing is if you go online as a church and you get you set yourself, you sign yourself up and are certified self-sustaining enterprises. That's our business. So we'll be making money from that. So we're, we're setting up something that will save other people's lives. How many lives are going to be saved around the country? Especially even in churches. How many lives will be saved around the country because we have this business? On top of that, it's profitable. Then we'll use the profit not to buy a bigger boat for somebody, but we'll use the profits to save the lives of children and widows and people around the world. That's a great business. That's a great business model. You make money, you save lives, you take the money, you save more lives. That is an awesome, awesome thing. And that came from this body, the body of Christ, and it's going to be a great business. Next thing I want to share with you, just kind of a quick overview, or angel fund. Now, I want to say, no tithe money comes from what we're talking about. No tithe money is used for anything we're talking about here when it comes to self-sustaining enterprises. It's a separate business, separate 501c3 business LLC that we've set up, okay? So no tithe money comes, but we use the business to invest in our mission, the mission here at Grace Chapel. But our angel fund was set up, and we have t- angel fund is basically high-risk, high-reward investing, Okay, this was set up by another person in the church. Money was invested. We invested in 10 different angel fund projects, all right? startups, these business startups. So far out of the 10, we are three for three. So three have paid off. We still have seven more that we have within the angel fund. None of them have died yet. None of them have gone out of business. Three for three is already ahead of the national average. Three for ten is already ahead of the national average. So we just need to pray as a church that we go, and the person that is setting us up for us is not going to be happy. We've got to pray we go ten for ten, okay? If we don't go ten for ten, don't worry about it, buddy. It's, uh, we're not holding you to it. Um, but we want to do that. We want to pray that God would do something miraculous. Maybe we go seven or, or, or for ten. That's a lot of resources that we can then be, can be reinvested into the company that we can take that money and invest in the lives of people around the world. Imagine having the resources to invest in the lives of millions of people around the world to give them the dream of a limitless future. You know what? If I'm a kid and I'm overseas, and I'll tell you, here's, here's just Jeff Greer's opinion. If you told me you'll feed me for the rest of my life, but I can't dream of tomorrow, I can't have any visions for the future, I think I'd rather depart now. It is ungodly and unacceptable that children around the world can't dream and don't have visions for the future. 
God created them for a specific purpose. And it is our responsibility, those with resources, it is our responsibility, those with gifts and talents and abilities, with those kids in a position where they can fulfill the vision and the dreams, okay, and the purpose for which they were created. Because they bring so much to the table. They bring so much to the table. Now, I want to move on to one thing that you're going to be like, oh, and, I, and some of you know this already, but we are in the process of closing new to you. Okay? I'll explain. The reason we're closing new to you is when we opened it up years and years ago, we were the only thrift store in Mason. Okay? So being back here was no big deal because when you're, the only, you're the only game in town, you're doing pretty well. Then you got Goodwill, and I'm, that, that's totally fine. It's just business. That's okay. They're allowed to come into town. Goodwill and St. Vincent de Paul and... Um, um, Salvation Army, and then a lot of consignment shops just opened up all over the place and pretty much cut our profit and cut, cut our gross profit in half. And so we're in a place now where we're kind of looking at it and we're saying, you know, it's still it's still profitable, but we're having to subsidize a little bit, if you will, to keep it that way. And you know, I had I had two good I have two people that I really respect tell me before, when we first started self-sustaining enterprises. One of them said, never fall in love with a business. If, it's, if you feel like it's not going well, you're going to have to you know, let that go. And we're going to have to let that go. Self-sustained enterprises, has been, that has been, if you will, the cash cow for our company all these years. But it's not that way anymore. That person said, don't fall in love with the business. And Rick Warren once told me, if the horse is dead, dismount. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, it's not dead yet, but we don't have to wait either. Um, so we're, we're doing it for really good reasons. Okay. We're, we're doing this because we're trying to be profitable to, in order to invest in the lives of children. Um, now before I go on, I want to say this again, if it's not sinful, it's what? That's why we're talking about it. So if you're wondering why we're talking about this in church, you keep that in your heart. We're going to change the lives of children around the world. Okay. Here's what we're going to do with this, with the, with the, uh, with the, uh, the thrift store building right now. God has laid on our hearts for years. We, the marketplace ministry is a big part of Grace Chapel. At Work on Purpose is a part of Grace Chapel. Uh, self-sustaining enterprises. This is a business-free campus. We're working with different people around the world. And one of the things that's been in our hearts is to, is to bring all of it into one place. And that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. Um, we're going we're gonna to build in that building what we're going to call the Orca Center. Okay, the Orca Center. You say, why, why the Orca Center? Because, you know, you watch Shark Tank and they talk about swimming with sharks and sharks in business and everything. That's because the, they thought that the great white shark was the number one predator in the ocean. You know what? It's not. You know what the number one predator in the ocean is? A killer whale. Okay? Look at sharks and say, that looks like lunch to me. And they ram them, they turn them upside down, immobilize them, and then their family munches on them for lunch. Okay, so we're not, if you're going to swim with sharks, you better be a killer whale. In or or other words, orca is a killer whale. And orca stands for originality, resiliency, connectivity, and adaptability. And I won't get into all the details of all that now, but we are going to, we are going to bring some really amazing things into the orca center. I'm going to share with you what we're bringing in there. Uh, Self-Sustained Enterprises uh, just signed a deal with a company called Eatech. Eatech was started by a Nigerian scientist, um, an inventor named Abraham. 
Abraham basically walked around barefoot for the first seven or eight years of his life. He is a genius. If you ever wondered what it was like to be in Edison's lab, hang out with Abraham in his lab for a little while and you'll find out. This man is incredible. I've known him for 10 years. We signed an agreement that self-sustaining enterprises would be a 60-40 split. His is 60, ours is 40. 60-40 split in all of his technology. Abraham is going to move into the back of the thrift store and he's going to have his lab in the back of the thrift store with all this technology. In the front of the thrift store in different areas, we're going to bring in entrepreneurs and business people, our think tank, all of these things, our accelerator, all into one building. Abraham is going to lay this technology out. And we're going to be able to have some of the greatest minds around Cincinnati and maybe honestly around the world because we have so many people visiting our campus all the time. We're connected with Cedarville University. I met with the president of Cedarville last Thursday um, and talked with him. Their business dean is coming down here in the next month to walk our campus to connect with us with that work on purpose in Grace Chapel and how we can work together. Cincinnati Christian University. Um, we already have a relationship with, the, with uh, Cincinnati Zoo. We have a relationship with the Crone Conservatory. And my goal is to reach out to UC and Miami University and Ohio State and share with them some of the things that we're doing and get them engaged because God's design for us is to reach out and touch the entire world. And here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to share with you just one of these products because it's time is getting late, but I want to share this with you. You have to understand there are four or five platforms that Abraham has of technology. From each of these platforms, there are hundreds of applications, okay? So we have, we have the uh, specialty paper platform. We have micro-encapsulation platform. Uh, we have, for example, a color-changing platform. Abraham has figured out how chameleons change color. Just dream for a moment, okay? He figured out how chameleons change color. So he can coat your watch band with a certain, his, his substance, hold it up to a certain frequency of light, and your watch band will change color. Now, 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 start thinking about the implications once this technology really gets nailed down, okay? Now, I'm going to share something with you that is a low-hanging fruit that we have at our disposal. Everyone pretty much knows what Crayola Color Wonder is, right? It's basically a coloring book, and if you, if you, color, if you color on the paper, it shows up. If you color on anything else, like your arm or your face or your shirt, or your pants, whatever, it will not show up. It only shows up on the paper. Abraham helped, he invented this for Crayola. This, is a ten, this, this makes tens of millions of dollars a year. Abraham then turned around, this is a chemical-based product, turned around and made a water-based product for himself that does not infringe upon the patent that he made for Crayola. So what we have in our hands now, right now, I actually made this little coloring book up myself. What we have right now is a coloring book. So if I showed you, if I take the back of this paper and I draw on the back of this paper, okay, you don't see anything. It doesn't show up. But if I do it on this paper, you guys can see. It shows up on this paper. Only shows up in this paper. Here's the amazing thing. Crayola can only do it on flat surfaces. We can do it on 3D surfaces. Okay? Now, again, application. I like Legos, don't you? A white Lego that I can color any color I want to? Hmm, they might be interested in that. Girls like to paint their nails, put fake nails on, only shows up on these fake nails, will not show up on their hands, will not be on the wall, will not be anywhere else. All of this, 
All this Abraham has, we can do it. We have, and again, it's, it's organic, it's based, it's water-based. So it's, I could suck on this marker, it won't bother I could eat that paper, it won't bother me. It's not a chemical base. It's a water base, all right? Now, I told you, uh, if you looked at Facebook, I said, I'm going to show you something that, you know, that could change millions of lives. No one in the world has this. They've been trying and trying, but they don't have it. I want to show you the first prototype for a mess-free crayon. There it is. That is the prototype for a mess. It works. There it is. Little kitty right there. I colored this kitty. All right? I, I, it, won't go out, it won't show up outside the lines because the substance wasn't on there, so you, don't, you never draw outside the lines unless you want to. Um, this is the only mess-free crayon in the world. And you're probably the first, after maybe 10 other people have seen this, you're the only people in the world who have seen it. Okay? We take this prototype. How many, how, how many crayons do you think they sell a year in the United States and around the world? How many people would love to have crayons that won't show up on their walls like my grandkids do, okay? Or won't show up on their furniture or won't show up on anything? Mess-free crayons, Okay? If you came to church expecting a miracle this morning, you just saw one, okay? You just saw a miracle, okay? Amen. Now I want you to dream of what this can... I don't, now, I'm not going to say, we're going to make all this. I don't, I don't know what God is going to do with best free crayons. I do know I'm meeting with the vice president of Hasbro on... Uh, the former vice president of Hasbro on Tuesday, so I know what our, our play is, what we're going to try to do, um, if you can license this product to these larger companies, who knows what God can do? I know one thing, if it, if it works, that's a lot of money coming into self-sustaining enterprise. And here's the other cool thing. Abraham is a godly man. And he has already committed that much of his money is going to missions as well. One of the things he wants to do is he wants to invest in, in retiring pastors all over the world who've given their lives to preach the gospel in Africa and around the world and have no money when they retire. They're destitute. And he wants to use some of his resources to impact the lives of older people who don't have anything to use for their thing. Amen? Now, this, my friends, is, this is called low-hanging fruit. All right? I could take and I don't have the time, but I could take five hours and boggle your mind with the kind of stuff that we have. But I can't, you know, I can't do it. I just love to, I'm going to say, oh, look, transfer paper and blah, 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 and all, what is this is what it does. This is all, some of this is disruptive technology, and we have the opportunity as the church, as the body of Christ, to bring all of our skills around it and watch what God can do. See, when you believe, when you believe in miracles, when you believe that God can do or measure more than all you can ask or imagine, he does. He does. And why are we doing this? Because we can build monuments to ourselves as a church? No. So we can invest in the lives of children who so desperately need us. The enemy is picking a fight with children. They need to be defended. And we're going to use coloring books to defend them. We're going to use coloring books to defend them. We're going to use everything at our disposal to defend them. Here's what I'd like you to do. We're out of time, and so I'd like you to stand, if you would. Stand up. God has been moving in such powerful ways throughout the church. And I want to share just one last verse with you, because this service is all about praising God. It is not about talking about, oh, we're so great, we're, the, we're, we're so amazing, Grace Chapel. Grace Chapel is amazing because we have an amazing God. We are stewards 
We are stewards of what God has given us, and that's it. And we will use your gifts and talents and abilities to do all we can to impact the lives of other people. But this service is all about praising God. So I want to read one more verse of scripture, and then I want to sing one last song. And I want you to sing it and raise the roof of this place, okay? Raise the roof in praise and glory and honor to our God who gives us all good things. Psalm 151 and 2 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him. Let's do that right now. If you'd like to be involved in what we're doing, we are going to have a class in August. um, And also, just email me, okay? Email me. And and I'll get you connected to the right people. Let's pray. God, thank you for this awesome day. Thank you, God, for the opportunity we have to come and to worship you and to truly see how great you are. I pray, dear God, that there are younger people in this room, there are children in this room who are hearing things that are inspiring them and looking at the adults around them and saying, these people truly believe. They're living this out. And I pray, dear God, the next generation will be better than this one stronger than this one, more dynamic than this one, Lord God, that they would leave us in the dust when it comes to their faith. But God, let us be the example first. Let us set the example of our love for you and and how you can do miraculous things. You can do immeasurably more than all we can ever ask or imagine. And we're asking and imagining a lot, Lord God. So go for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Great week.